You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. You know, we never, we never intended for Summoner to be a you know touring nine months out of the year kind of band and and when we signed to magnetic eye records we made it very clear to them that we were gonna you know we like to get in the studio we like to make records uh we will play shows locally and up and down the eastern seaboard kind of thing um we'll play festivals if they'll have us where it's like we go and fly out for the weekend play the show have a good time with our friends, come home to our families, right? Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians to talk about their lives, music, and craft beer. I hope you had a glorious weekend, because I most certainly did. This Vox and Hops episode is presented by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal are Montreal's premier metal promoter, and I'm very stoked to have teamed up with them to bring you Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. That's right, a true metal and craft beer festival is happening in my hometown of Montreal on December 17th at Corona Theatre. Performing this year is my band, Cryptopsy, alongside The Agonist, The Great Sabatini, Necrotic Mutation, and Burning the Oppressor. All night long, you will be able to enjoy amazing craft beers by some of Quebec's best breweries, such as BG Brasserie Urbaine, Massorum Brassatorium, Brasserie du Bas-Canada, Sir John Brewing Company, Saint-Cambaro, and Brassard de Montréal. If you would like to attend this event, you should absolutely pick up your ticket right now, because tickets are flying, and I would hate for you to miss your chance to be a part of the first edition of Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. I'm so excited, and I just can't wait for December 17th to arrive so that I can enjoy life, metal, and craft beer with all of you at Heavy Montreal Presents Vox and Hops Brutal Montreal. Super stoked to announce that on December 4th, I will be in Toronto at Folly Brewing because I am releasing a brand new Vox and Hops collab. It's called How About Some Coffee. It is a coffee stout, and it is in collaboration with Folly Brewing and the Meet Me for Coffee podcast. Now, I'm not sure if you remember, but when I had George Penayi of the Meet Me for Coffee podcast on Vox and Hops a few weeks ago... We decided that we should probably do a collab together. If George ever got some Meet Me for Coffee coffee made, I told them that I would find a brewery to make us a collab. The very day that that episode aired, Jamie Morris, the Vox and Hops alumni, who was a brewer at Henderson Brewing Company, hit me up. He's now at Folly Brewing, and he made that brew. So a brand new Vox and Hops collab is dropping December 4th. We are doing a release party at Folly Brewing. It runs from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. And we're going to be recording a live podcast. So I would love for you to be there if you could be there. If you're planning on coming, I highly suggest that you make your reservations now because this place is going to be packed and I'd hate for you to miss it. So head on over to follybrewpub.com. That's F-O-L-L-Y-B-R rewpub.com to make your reservations for December 4th at around 3 p.m. I'm going to be there. It's going to be super fun, and I can't wait to hang out with all of you. Now, before we jump into today's episode, I'd just like to ask you to follow the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast on the podcast platform of your choice. But more than that, I'm also asking you to tell a friend about the podcast. If there's someone in your life that is just a huge beer enthusiast, a 
beer nerd, a craft beer enthusiast, you should let them know that the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast exists. Even if they're not the biggest metalhead, that's cool, because Vox and Hops has over 300 episodes where I talk to my guests about their lives, music, and a bunch about craft beer. So we may just be able to convert someone into a metalhead by getting them to listen to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast. If you would encourage one of your friends to become a brand new Vox and Hops head, that would be something that I would truly appreciate. Now, in today's episode, I'm with AJ Peters of Summoner. Get ready, everyone. This is Vox and Hops episode number 310. I warn you, what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed. Hey, what's up, everyone? Today, I'm with AJ Peters of Summoner. AJ, I hooked up with you for Brutal North America. We somewhat cheated and said that you were alumni, but you weren't quite an alumni yet, so we had to conduct an interview. Here we are today. I'm glad that this happened. Uh, Let's start with a simple, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, You know, just like I was saying, living the life of a superb dad, trying to be a rock star on the side. But, you know. (laughs) You got this. You got this. (laughs) Let's talk about something a bit more dark, though. Let's dance into how you've been coping uh, throughout this pandemic. How have you been coping uh, with the year of 2020, which is now lingering into more than half of 2021? How have you been coping with this time? Uh, I mean, I think uh, much the same as a lot of other people out there, just one day at a time, uh, trying to, uh, you know, do what's right by me, my family and the people around me. Um, you know, um, just making sure I'm, I'm, I'm up on what we're supposed to be doing to keep everybody safe. You know, the, the masking, the vaccinations, all that fun stuff. Um, now, uh, you know, with this new Delta variant, things are kind of thrown for a loop, but you know, just, uh, putting the mask on when I go into crowded places and stuff. And, uh, you know, but other than that at home, it's been a lot of, you know, me and the wife had a, a, a baby in the middle of the pandemic. So we, wow. he, he's now 11 months old. Uh, yeah, he was born in September of last year. So Congrats. my wife, thank you very much. Yeah. My wife spent the, the most of the pandemic pregnant and miserable. Um, and, uh, <laughs> I know. and then, you know, we had a pandemic baby that was not used mm. to, uh, you know, not used to being socialized, you know, the family could barely, you know, see him, hold him, all that stuff. So now that things have gotten a little bit better and people are vaccinated and the family's vaccinated, you know, he's he's getting used to being out with the grandparents and the cousins and aunts and all that stuff. So from experience, there's less people that comes to see the the second or third yeah. baby. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the first one. Yeah, the first one's a, a big deal. But yeah, the second. Yeah, he was. Still a big deal, but yeah, it's not quite as big of a deal. I was like, why are these people coming to my house? Yeah, right? Who are you? Vox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends, talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Now, what beer do you have on your side there that we're going to be sharing virtually? I hope it's something that was created by Gilded Skull Brewing and Widowmaker. Uh, Well, I, I do have our collaboration from Gilded Skull Brewing and Widowmaker. Uh, unfortunately, this can is empty. Um, oh. Yeah, well, as, as I promised you back when we made the date for this, that I would put one in the back of the fridge and kind of cover it up with stuff so nobody drank it. Well, <laughs> that didn't work out as, as, as well as planned because I had some friends over and somebody said, hey, can I grab a beer? Yeah, go help yourself in the fridge. And they 
took it upon themselves to like dig through everything in my fridge, found the Rift Cannon, and I caught them <laughs> drinking it halfway through. So that was my last can because obviously the the Rift Cannon being such a great beer uh, that I enjoyed so much, um, I drank a lot of it, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it went pretty quick. And you know, I, I kept hitting Widowmaker up for more and more. <laughs> and, uh, Amazing. They had to cut me off at a certain point, but yeah. So I got the can, but I will actually. I'm going to drink another Widowmaker beer while we're 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 talking here, which is uh, between. Here and there, which is another Kolsch they just did after the Rift Cannon. Um, so I think that inspired them. Yeah. Doing the Kolsch for the Rift Cannon, um, they you know I, they hadn't done a Kolsch before, so uh, they're doing another one. This one they changed up some ingredients. They tell me um, I haven't tried it yet. This will be my first taste. Um, but yeah, so that's what I'll be drinking. Amazing. On my side, I am drinking a Vox and Hops Brutal North America brew. This is a Fuming Mouth and Bone Up Brewings collab uh, called uh, The Great Equalizer. This is a smoked brown ale, 5.5% ABV. Um, love them both. Uh, excellent pairing. I love when things like that happen When for Brutal North America. When I like paired people together and it was just like an absolute fit, It was these two were just so perfect. They were like... We're fuming mouth. We want to have something, you know, on fire, smoky. And Liz from Bona was like, fuck yes, I love, love smoked ales. And I, I never get to brew them. So she was very excited. They were very excited to get this going. You were saying about Bona. Yeah, well, they're they're obviously Boston local, too. So, uh, you know, Widowmaker being South Shore and Bona being North Shore. Uh, we, we, we got the, uh, the great, uh, honor of actually meeting the owners of Bone Up there, Liz and, oh, cool. uh, for, forgive me on her husband's name. Um, we met them. They were very gracious. They actually, they did a summoner beer a couple years ago. Really? Um, yeah, they just, they just did it cause they were fans and we, we didn't really know. And then we kind of saw it and somebody actually, I think came to us and said like, Hey, Bone Up Brewing has like got a beer on their tap list called summoner. Like, That's so cool. And, it, yeah. and I, I honestly can't even remember what kind of beer it was because it was a couple years ago and we were pretty uh, we were pretty heavy into it when we went there. But we just kind of showed up and we sat at the bar and we were uh, you're just drinking. You know, we didn't we didn't say who we were or anything like that. We just kept ordering the summoners and they ended up being quite good. <laughs> um, and then, you know, at the end of the night, we actually said to the bartender like, oh, the bartender said something along the lines of well, you guys really like those summoner beers. huh?" And I said, well, we actually our summoner it was me it was all of us it was me joe scott chris all of us in the in there and uh and she said oh my god i have to go get the owners they're in the back so so cool we got them and we hung out with them and had some beers with them and they're great people they gave us a bunch of cool merch i think i still have a bone up brewing lunchbox in the live room at my studio over here that's badass uh, yeah (laughs) that's amazing so so your tab got a little bit lighter by mentioning who you were Uh, by that time i was so (laughs) many beers deep i don't even know if we paid honestly (laughs) well cheers to you cheers to uh cheers breweries yeah there you go Ooh, the smoke on the nose is amazing. Yeah, this is very good. This is uh this is a little bit more hoppy than uh than the Rift Cannon was. The Rift Cannon was smoother, lighter, more citrusy. This one's a little bit heavier. I like it. It's nice. Got a little bit more of that uh, kind of the bitterness to it. Uh, the the mm. hoppy bitterness there. But uh, they love their hops, Widowmaker. They, oh, they love their IPAs and their double IPAs <laughs> and all of the New England IPAs and all that stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. It's got that caramel malt finish, uh, but yet the smokiness. But it's not overpowering, so it's not like drinking hot dog water. Very nice. That sounds like a beer. I'll be very. I would have been very into it had I got a chance. I'm sure they're out by now. Yeah, it's all uh, gone basically. So yeah. a lot of the brew, the brutal North America brews, just disappeared, which made me very, yeah. very happy. Yeah, yeah. L- limited runs that went very quickly. I mean, I know the Rift Cannon went quite quickly from uh, Widowmaker's uh, 
Widowmaker stock there. So, I'd like to hear about your first beer. Do you remember the very first oh, beer geez. you drank, AJ? <laughs> uh, no, not exactly. I mean, there's stories of, you know, when I was three or four years old, my brother putting beer in my orange juice sippy cup thing, <laughs> which um, I don't know what kind of beer it was, but, you know, I guess that would technically be my first beer. That, that, that story has been... Uh, uh, confirmed by my parents because my brother got in a lot of trouble for it because uh, my, so. brother's my brother's 13 years older than me. So when I was wow, four, okay. he was 17. I was born in Northampton, England. Um, and so we were living over in England at the time. Really? And uh, yeah. And, you know, my brother, obviously drinking age much lower over there. Um, mm -hmm. and, you know, my brother had been going to pubs since he was 15 years old and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And uh, he just thought it'd be funny to throw some beer and it was some orange juice in my uh, in my sippy cup and let me drink it. And apparently when my parents got home from their night out, when he was babysitting me, I was being ridiculous. And, I can you know, the, so. and my brother got in a ton of trouble for that one. But uh, <laughs> so that was technically my first beer. I'm sure it was some kind of like London ale or something like mm -hmm. that, you know, but. Um, you know, I, I grew up, I grew up in, you know, where, where suburban Michigan meets rural Michigan. Um, and, uh, so, you know, my idea of drinking back then was uh, beer bonging Natty Ice through a yeah. road cone in the woods somewhere, yeah. you know, so, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I can't really re remember my first one, but there was a lot of Budweiser and, and Natty Ice and <laughs> Michelob and all that kind of stuff. Nat, nat, natty Ice fueled Summer Slaughter 2008 for Cryptopsy. The, 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 there you go. Exactly. <laughs> see? Yeah. How about uh, what beer would be, do you have like a pinnacle beer of when you discovered beer could be more the craft beer explosion in your life? Uh, kind of, yeah. I mean, one of my, one of my favorites right now is actually, um, uh, other than, uh, again, uh, going back to Widowmaker, I, I know the Widowmaker guys very well, so I drink a lot of their beer. Um, and the Widow Lager, their house lager is really good. I'm a big fan of lagers. Uh, I love lagers. I'm not a huge IPA fan. I tried a million of them. I just, the hoppiness, the bitterness of them after they just get too much. They, to me, a lot of the more fragrant ones taste somewhat like, I think, drinking perfume would taste, which I know is uh, blasphemy to say, but uh, that's just my palate. Um, but yeah, I, I, one of my favorites right now is, is one of the obviously larger brews out here out of Framingham is uh, Jack's Abbey House Lager. Uh, great brewery. Um, you know, obviously they're huge. Um, not exactly a small little little tiny place anymore. Um, but that's one of my favorites. And one of my longtime favorites has been, uh, I, I, again, being from England, I like uh, uh, Fuller's. Um, Fuller's ESB is a big one that I like to drink a lot. London Pride, I like both of those. Um, I, I think many years ago when I was on a trip back to England to see the family and stuff, I you know was going into the pubs and drinking the London Pride and everything out of the out oh, of the, the cask. Yeah, hand pump cask. London it. Pride was yeah was so good. Um, started buying it in bottles and stuff over here. Not quite the same, but you know. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, how about the soundtrack of your youth when you were growing up in your parents' or guardians' house? What music was playing when you were not in control of the music? What music did your parents or guardians listen to? Oh, Jesus. Uh, well, my dad was like a big Clapton fan. He was a big, like, late 70s, 80s Clapton, like slow hand. Uh, so there was a lot of Clapton going on in my house. My, my parents weren't huge into music. Um, my dad was when I was a baby. I mean, he had a pretty decent record collection. You know, I, I have a bunch of his old records, Pink Floyd. He listened to a lot of Camel, um, which are great. I have a ton of Camel albums that are that are my dad's old albums. He loved the kind of proggy kind of stuff, uh, the, the old like Genesis and stuff like that, you know, um, selling England by the pound and, thing, you know, tunes like that and stuff. Uh, 
But, you know, then it, it I mean, what I can remember, I, I it was some bad, bad stuff that my parents listened. I mean, it was like, I remember that was some like a lot of Enya going on. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, my God. Uh, Simply Red, I believe. I remember yeah. Simply yeah. Red. A lot. Uh, yeah. To that. yeah. Yeah. So it was a lot of that kind of stuff, which was brutal, which I think was what kind of steered me to more extreme, like heavier metal and rock and stuff. So, you know, <laughs> was, was your father a guitarist? Uh, he tried to be. Um, he he wasn't. Uh, he the first guitars I ever played were his like old acoustics that he bought um, to try and learn how to play. But he was just one of those people. It just didn't come. Now he was always very jealous of the fact that I picked up a guitar and it just kind of came. And and I, and and within a year, I was like playing songs that he could recognize and things. And he'd always say, "You, you bastard." <laughs> I tried. I tried. I tried. My hands just don't do those things, right? So, um, yeah. So, but yeah, I I, uh, I talked them into getting me my first electric guitar for Christmas when I was like mm. I don't know, eleven or twelve years old. And, really, and, I love yeah, that. I love that. And um, why did you gravitate towards this guitar versus other instruments? Uh, I mean, I played other instruments. I, you know, my parents put me in piano lessons and stuff when I was really small. Um, you know, just to kind of get a good foundation on music, learning how to read music, all of that stuff. It's amazing. And I, I and I, you know, I'm thankful that they did um, because that uh, that did lay a good bedrock, right? Good foundation. Uh, even though I never really took the piano very seriously and stuff, it did teach me how to read music. It, it taught me how to listen and use my ears and translate that. Um, and then also, you know, when I was in middle school, at the same time I started to get into the guitar, I played saxophone in like the school band and stuff. Cause I, again, could read music and had to do something. So I picked an instrument and played it. I think it's cause there was like some cute girls in the flute section that sat in front of me. And, you know, so <laughs> sa- saxophones were around that side near the flutes. So, I'll, I'll uh, there, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but yeah, I went to the guitar cause it was just like, you know, it's uh, probably the same reason a lot of people go to the guitar. It's, it's cool. It's, it's sexy. It's, you know, it's, you see your, the guitar gods on, on stage and on videos mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, and they're, uh, MTV. you know, yeah. MTV and even just like, yeah, just like documentaries of like, you know, uh, back in the days of like Blu-ray and DVD, you know, just, yeah. uh, and even VHS, like watching, you know, like old Pink Floyd docs and stuff, you know, like David Gilmore just being like, how do you make a guitar sound like that? You know, like, it's great. Take me to your first show, the live music experience, the first time that you went as a fan to go watch a show. Do you remember that? Uh, I've got some uh, some pretty funny ones there. There was uh, well, I, I did go see Metallica. My brother took me to see Metallica back when they were Jesus. I can't even. It was probably like one of the load tours or something, like early, like mid nineties, like uh, you know when I was finally old enough. You know, born in eighty three. You know, I, you know when. When Metallica was doing what I ended up gravitating towards, which is the 80s stuff, you know, whatever the first four albums, what everybody listens to, I was way too young to go see them, you know. But uh, you know, my, my my brother and my cousin, who were the same age, took me to go see, took me and a buddy to go see Metallica in Michigan at the uh, the Palace of Auburn Hills. Uh, that was cool. Uh, I saw Pantera when I was uh, sixth grade, I think. Uh, when I saw grade. them. That was yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Like now, looking back at that as like a parent, like you know, I, I saw it was it was it was Pantera and Coal Chamber open for him, uh, wow. and it was I think it was I don't I don't think it was the Great Southern Tranquil tour. It was whatever they did after that. Like it was the one on one proof. Yeah. Tour. It was at, it was yeah. right after Southern Tranquil, Great Southern okay. Tranquil. Um, but it was seriously not a show that like a twelve year old should be going to unattended. And literally, my, my friend's mom, like, just dropped me and my buddy, Sean, really? off of this show. And, uh, yeah, and we came out alive. 
You were there to see Pantera. Was the reason why you guys went? Yeah, we absolutely went to go see Pantera. Yeah, it was it was an awesome show. I mean, I worshipped Dimebag Daryl then in the day. I mean, and he was one of the most incredible things I'd ever seen. I mean, he doing the shot of whiskey while pl- ripping the solo, like not you know not what you know. What, I mean, the, that guy was an absolute god, and uh, it was so effortless for him. And uh, I, I had a whole wall in my room devoted to Dimebag Daryl. I had magazine clippings. I had his old guitar, his old his old dime mm-hmm. slime it wasn't the dean it was when washburn took his signature style and did the like uh i think by that time they were getting away from the the, the confederate flag one at that point i think that was starting to look a little back then it was like eh, i don't know let's uh maybe we'll just let's you know, distance, ourselves that one. From that. distance ourselves from the from the confederate flag but yeah they did the dime slime and like the lightning it was the one with the lightning and stuff all over but i had the dime slime which was like the green and yellow burst loved that guitar loved it played it never could play it like him but you know uh, take me to your first time on stage. Was it with a saxophone? Was it? Was it? <laughs> well, technically, yes, I guess it's the saxophone. You know, playing in the school <laughs> concerts and whatever. You know, but uh, my first time, like ever, playing my guitar live was in high school. Um, just some band. That, you know, I have friends. We jammed in the garage and stuff. You know, played everything from metal to rock to indie to alternative and all this stuff and. I think we we like threw together like a cover set for like a a, a a friend's like graduation party or something like that, and you know we played your typical like graduation party tunes. I think it was like some Sublime in there and whatever was popular at the time, and <laughs> you know so we uh, we we did that. I think that was technically as, as far as I can remember. I mean, I did other. I was I was part of like uh, school oriented. Uh, in I played guitar in like a jazz band early on in high school that was like the school jazz band so i did like saxophone and guitar duties in that so we had concerts with that but i I didn't start actually like playing actual shows until i was like out of high school and in college and that was kind of um really with 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 riff cannon that became summoner really i mean that was uh that was yeah i mean i grew up you know like i grew up in basically rural michigan there wasn't a ton of opportunity to to you know play shows and stuff out there there wasn't really anywhere to play unless you were a cover band or something and uh i just did a lot of like playing to like metallica albums in my bedroom and stuff like that you know that was that was kind of my bread and butter back then but were were you ready when you got on stage finally uh yeah i think so i think so yeah i mean you know um it was it was fun you know i don't don't remember (laughs) it being any kind of like disaster the only the only thing only time i remember having a like absolutely disastrous show in high school was a school like talent show thing where I, I played like a, it was like a, uh, oh, what the hell was the name of the song? It was a Jose Triani song, like a finger picked, okay. not like your typical Jose Triani, like thing, okay. but, uh, it was, like a I think thing. it's called like tears in the rain or tears in the wind. It's off of the same album that like surfing with the, not surfing with the alien, um, his other satch boogie or whatever. I don't know. It was, it was on oh the, the extremist that's what it was on the album the extremist i don't know if anybody out there <laughs> i was a nerd i was in it i did go to the first g3 tour when i with my parents when i was a kid that was cool so um uh steve Vai and jesse triani and all that stuff and um paul uh yeah and uh but anyways i i got on stage to play this it was just me and my guitar sitting on stage in like a high school auditorium <laughs> and i just froze oh no just that and it was a very intricate like finger picked hand you know the hands needed to be on point and they were not there was there was bad just a plane, plane, plane you know 
all bad strings and stuff. So, you know, that was one of the nightmare things. But I think by the time I got out of high school and I started playing like original music in a in a band with friends that I loved and, you know, and, and all of that, I think it was it was, it was kind of second nature by that point. You, you guys were prepped enough by that point. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and all the other guys, all the other guys in the band, Scott and Chris, they'd played, you know, they, they grew up in South Shore, Massachusetts. Like they grew, they had a totally different, you know, upbringing musically than i did you know like um you know they were all well you know scott was like heavy into the hardcore scene uh you know the boston hardcore scene in the you know early 2000s late 90s kind of thing and uh he played in a bunch of bands and they you know they they played he played in a band called draw blood that was actually uh basically almost signed to death wish and but then it didn't happen for some reason i can't remember why and yeah i don't know but yeah so they they had more experience than i did so they schooled you they schooled me yeah they let me know what was up yeah chris chris had, chris had played in like punk bands and stuff you know as a teenager and everything so they were they were like veterans to me by the time you know, I came in, but you just you, you listen to them, yeah, and hopefully you taught them stuff too. Mm. <laughs> I like to think let's, so. Let's talk about brutal North America. Your involvement in brutal North America. Back in June, uh, I released twenty-two beers all across North America. Collabs between Vox and Hops alumni, such as yourself, and metal breweries. Now, what was your experience? Uh, this this beer, Riff Cannon, uh, has a long story because. Uh, Gilded Skull Brewing and myself first got introduced, and I didn't realize that they are a contract brewery, which means that they need to step into someone else's brew house to get their beers made. So he reached out to Widowmaker. Uh, I had another band in mind, which I will not mention, to be the initial, initial alumni in this collab, and that didn't pan out. And then Widowmaker dudes were like, can we do Summoner? And I was like, let's do summoner and here we are so so t- talk to me about what your experience being a part of brutal north america was like i mean it was a great time i mean it was it was awesome it was uh you know it was it was a much needed little fun little project for 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 us to you know the ones of us that were available me and joe and and dave who's kind of our hype man <laughs> he's uh, uh you know he's been on stage with us here and there but he's always with us you know so he's our one of our dear dear friends we love him we, we don't travel without him um you know he's 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 played with us on stage doing like synths and in between song sounds and stuff like that which is fun you know we always uh, he's always a great. He's a great personality. Great person to have around. Um, he, uh, you know, we, we. It was a fun thing for us to do. I think at the time Chris was out in California with Deaf Heaven um, doing some. I think rehearse either writing or no, because they were they were recording the new album that Deaf Heaven just put out um, or finishing it up or something. He was out there for Deaf Heaven doing rehearsals or something like that. So he wasn't around. Um, and you know, it was it was great because. I'm uh, Ryan, who own is one of the owners of uh, Widowmaker, is a good friend of mine. We're we're old hockey pals. We played hockey together. Really? Uh, yeah. And uh, you know, um, I I was his. Uh, I'm a goalie. Uh, he's a he's a forward. I think he plays wing primarily, left wing. But um, yeah, we met playing hockey, and we just you know had a lot in common musically and taste wise, and. Uh, and obviously, we both loved hockey, so we were friends. And and then I kind of watched him start Widowmaker, uh, and I was fascinated by how he did it and and how well he did at it. Um, he did a bang up job. Uh, at the time, he had a 
normal day job, worked his ass off and, and, and still works his ass off, but now he makes a little bit more money doing it and he got to quit his day job and, you know, so, uh, um, kudos to him and the, and the guys call in, you know, um, who they were brewing beer in their basement and now they, you know, they got their tap room and their brewery and they're kind of distributed all over the place and Love doing it. a great job. So when Ryan reached out to me, I hadn't heard from him in forever. I hadn't talked to him in a couple of years. Um, uh, and he reached out and just said, Hey, does someone want to do this? Like, hell yeah, we do. Yeah, absolutely. So I kind of wrangled up what guys I could and it was a lot of fun. You know, it was a lot of fun to hang out. It was a lot, a lot of fun to go and like kind of see. I'd never seen beer be brewed before. I, I had no idea how it was done or how scientific. I mean, it's chemistry, yeah. right? It's, 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 it's it absolutely, is. it's, it's really, uh, it's cooking meets it, chemistry. Yeah, and Chris, their head brewer there, their lead brewer at Widowmaker, super knowledgeable guy, super cool guy, um, great taste of music. Again, he's a guitar player, you know. Uh, um, he was kind of explaining it to me. A lot of it was kind of like over my head a lot, you know. He was uh, talking nuanced stuff that I was, <laughs> but but I got to dump the hops in. Uh, that was cool, um, and uh, you know, clear out the the barrels and stuff between you know when they're transferring it from mash, one to the yeah. next, all the mash, yeah, and. Uh, um, yeah, it was just a great time to hang out and actually kind of just say like, Hey, well, like this is a, how I, can you make a beer that kind of tastes like this? And they're like, yeah, absolutely. We can do this, 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 and this, and I think we'll get what you want. And and they nailed it. I mean, they absolutely nailed it. Um, you know, Neil Gilded Skull, great dude. Um, super. I'd never met him before. I wasn't very familiar with Gilded Skull before all this, but uh, I am now, you know, keeping up on what he's doing and, and trying to find his beers. And uh, he was super chill guy, very knowledgeable. Um Again, working his ass off, uh, right. you know, doing what he can. His story's crazy. Uh, he's, Absolutely. You know, he, he's got a crazy story. And uh, um, but it's just, you know, he's he's a, he's a true kind of like perseverance, like, you know, story, you know, perseverance. Just, you know, you know, the, the, this this life is finite. Let's get done what you want to do and do what you love. And, you know, and uh, and you'll never work a day in your life. Right. Is that what they say? You know. <laughs> Absolutely, and, and he will have his tap house soon enough. Yeah, he won't yeah, be yeah, contract no. brewing forever. And no. uh, support these amazing breweries if you can, people. And when he does, I'll be going up there and and, and drinking. So <laughs> I love it. <laughs> hey, what's up, Fox and Hopsins? I just want to take a little moment about Cryptopsy's upcoming tours. That's right, I'm talking about the Scream of Perseverance tour and our headliner dates. That coincide with that tour called As Summer Burns. The Scream of Perseverance tour is kicking off at the end of May and runs all the way until the end of June. We are supporting the mighty death to all. We are going all over the United States and we are hitting some of Canada. So excited to be honoring the legendary music of death alongside amazing musicians that performed on these albums. Even more stoked to be doing some headliner dates in some cities that I've actually never played in. If you are planning to come to any of these shows, you should definitely grab your tickets by going to voxandhops.com slash summer, and you will be able to grab all of your tickets there. That's voxandhops.com slash summer. Do it, people. Come hang out with me. Enjoy life, metal, and craft beer in your hometown. Come to a show. We're going to have a great time. Now, enough about all of that. Let's get back to the episode. I want to talk about how you've been filling the void from performing. You guys yeah. did a um, mm -hmm. Day of Doom with Magnetic Eye Records earlier this year. And that was in November of 19, so right before really? the pandemic held. Oh, yeah, okay. so that was actually the last time uh, Summoner has played live. Um, really? Okay. 
and it was great. Uh, Magnetic Eye put it on. It was a, a big, big label showcase, um, and they basically. They had all of the bands from the label. They flew in um, Elephant Tree from from mm-hmm. London. They they flew in um, D- Doomcraft too. Domcraft, yeah, which great dudes. Those so those cool. guys. Yeah, we we met them for the first time at Psycho Las Vegas in 2017. Awesome dudes. I stayed up until like five o'clock in the morning at the Hard Rock just talking to those guys. You know, I mean, phenomenal guys. They're like, well, I think the guitar player. He's a school teacher in Sweden, and we were talking about the differences. You know, the U.S. and Sweden and education, and he was talking about coming over to the states to study how the states like it does education public education and things and all this stuff but we obviously there was a lot of drinking involved there too um <laughs> but great dude so it was awesome to see them at the day of doom um and then they uh horse hunter um they kind of mm-hmm. uh, who i wasn't actually very familiar with but they're you know obviously a great band great musicians um and they kind of they kind of reunited to to get magnetic eye to like put out this kind of uh, I think it was a re-release of something they did, but they Magnetic Eye flew them over um, from Australia uh, to play the Day of Doom, and then they ended up recording our set, uh, Elephant Tree's set, um, Domcraft set, and Horse Hunter's set, and then they it, they released those as, as vinyl individually, um, and then they had some videos and stuff too of the sets and all of that stuff. But um, and Chris. Uh, Johnson, our our bassist singer, uh, he kind of engineered the whole thing. He 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 recorded the live sets there, so he was pulling double wow. duty. So Very cool. he had the live set up. You know, he had the mics in the room and all of that. Mics on the stage, running through the front of the house board and taking it into his laptop on Pro Tools. And he brought it all home. He mixed it up and edited it and all that stuff. And it's wonderful to have people like that in your band. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, great. You know, obviously Chris is a very um, uh, talented engineer, talented musician, and uh, he was. Um, they pulling. He was working hard that day. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think he had as much time to enjoy it as we did. But you know. <laughs> so, so since you haven't performed since then, how have you been filling the void of performing throughout this pandemic? Uh, well, through the pandemic, me and Joe. So Joe, the other guitar player and summoner, he's my brother-in-law. Um, and we were really good friends before. Uh, well, he joined the band from. Uh, after he came back from uh, the army, doing a few tours in Iraq and stuff, he was stationed out in Seattle. Um, went over to Iraq a few times. Once he was released from the army, uh, he came and joined the band. We kind of kept a space for him. He was uh, best friends with Scott, our original drummer. Uh, so I met Joe through Scott. Um, long story short, we married sisters. Now we're brother-in-laws. He's got two kids. I've got two kids. We see each other a lot. Uh, and we both are, you know, uh, we are in lockstep when it comes to musical tastes and always have been. Um, and so me and Joe write together really well. So through the beginning of the pandemic, we started kind of, we, we've always passed riffs back and forth. And me and him are always putting songs together or demoing stuff. And, uh, you know, a lot of it gets just thrown on the cutting cutting room floor and some of it becomes summoner songs and there's others that are like great songs that we're like yeah this doesn't really work for summoner so we just kind of had that in the back pocket and we just basically wrote um you know summoner did actually go into the studio we went into god city uh up in salem and recorded a tune um it is yet to be finished um but that just speaks to how busy everyone is in the band uh Particularly Chris, he's very busy, you know, obviously with his engineering and Deaf Heaven. And he's, you know, he's the he's the professional musician in the band, right? He's the one who does it for a living. Um, the rest of us are just kind of day job guys who who, who like to play music and, and write and stuff. So, um, but yeah, he, uh, uh, 
that's basically what we did. We, you know, we hopefully someday we'll finish that summoner tune um, and put it out, and maybe we'll write some more stuff in the future. But right now we're, you know, again with with you know, Def Heaven just put out this new record. They're going to be hitting the road for a long time. Promotion of this new record, it's uh, a big deal, high budget thing. Um, and uh, you know, I saw like the Apple, you know, the Apple Music billboards, you know, and there's Chris, yeah. like you know, it's crazy. It's, crazy. it's pretty crazy to see. <laughs> it, it's pretty nuts. I mean, you know, he went to the Grammys last year because they were nominated yeah. for Best Metal Act, and um, you know, which was all really cool. It's it's really cool to see like one of our own out there, you know, at that kind of level. Um, but yeah, uh, with him being so busy, me, you know, me and Joe are just going to keep writing. But now we're kind of free. You know, we're not really writing for Summoner. You know, Summoner's on somewhat of a break. We don't have anything in the books for Summoner. We don't have any plans for Summoner. We're going to let Chris do his thing and 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 focus on what is obviously his form of income and and his his primary uh, objective. And uh, uh, me and Joe are going to try and do something else. We're going to try. We're going to just write. We do have. Uh, I can't say too much about it because it's not publicly known yet it hasn't been announced um but we are we did write two songs for a project for an artist i can say that he's a he's a well-known uh singer vocalist um from you know uh kind of the 90s late 90s early 2000s still very well known um if i said his name my many of your listeners would say would say oh yeah, he's great. Um, well, <laughs> he, he uh, Magnetic Eye kind of reached out to us saying like, hey, do you want to write some songs for this guy? He wants to do this kind of collaboration record with a bunch Very of different cool. artists. So basically demo up some tunes, send them to us, and he's going to go through them all and pick the ones he likes. Well, we wrote two tunes, we sent them out, and he picked both of them. Amazing. Um, so then we tracked both of them for real. Uh, so that took up a lot of the pandemic for us. We tracked both tunes for real. We Scott, the original drummer of Summoner, um, who left a little over a year ago, uh, before the yeah, year and a half ago, he left the band. Um, he came in, played drums on it, which was great to work with Scott again, because Scott's one of my nearest and dearest friends. Um, and uh, yeah, we recorded it all down here in my basement, right where I'm sitting. Uh, you know, got the drum room on the other side of the stairs over there, and uh, we tracked it all here and sent it off. And now it's in said artist's hands we'll see what he does with it so it's very hopefully exciting. there'll be more 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 to come from that so can't wait to hear that and yeah can't wait to say who it was once we stop recording i'm gonna ask you that question for sure yes, yes. uh i'm in a band with musicians that tend to get into many other projects yeah uh Flo is in ultimas he's been in many other projects um my bassist joined cattle decapitation uh put out a mammoth of a record Right before the pandemic, um, I know how I feel, and I started the podcast because I knew that as happy as I was for them being so successful, I was afraid that I'd be jealous. So I started my own thing because <laughs> Chris has his studio going. Uh, he's doing very well with that. So I needed something for myself to keep myself busy when I knew that they'd be on these touring cycles. Uh, how did you cope with or when Chris joined Deaf Heaven? Uh, I mean, when, when Chris joined Deaf Heaven, it was definitely like, whoa, wow, mm -hmm. okay, that's cool. Huge. You know, that I mean, that's huge, yeah. Um, and, uh, I mean, first off, we were obviously extremely proud of him. Um, I mean, he is a, an exceptional bass player. Uh, he deserves to be in in that position. Um, and, you know, I mean, he he's, he's, he's that dude who... We were always used to him kind of being away anyway, because before he joined Deaf Heaven, you know, he... he he was a touring engineer, right? Front of house got engineer. It, yeah. So, it. and that's kind of how he got hooked up with Death Heaven um, was through doing that, right? So he would tour with various bands, 
not as a member of the band, but doing their their live sound. Which um, is so, a part of the family, you know. Once, once you... Exactly, yeah. So, so he was out on the road for you know months at a time. So it wasn't like it wasn't like all of a sudden Chris was away. You know, mm-hmm. it was like we were used. To, Chris was always made his living doing doing that. It's just now he's actually an active member of the band. He's on like, stage. He's on stage. Yeah, he was doing. You know, because he he was playing in Doom Riders for a while, which was awesome. Obviously, those guys are great. Um, they're not super active right now. Um, but you know, a, a local band, but you know, with them, he never really went on any long tours. It would be like a week or two. They go to Europe or something, play some shows, but all the guys in Doom Riders have, a, again, other projects, right? Uh, you know, like half of them are in, in Las Vegas right now for Psycho Las Vegas, right? With Old Man Gloom and, you know, and all, all of that stuff. So, um, you know, and, uh, so it wasn't new, but it, 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 it was just kind of one of those things, you know, we never, we never, intended for summoner to be a you know touring nine months out of the year kind of band and and when we signed to magnetic eye records we made it very clear to them that we were gonna you know we like to get in the studio we like to make records uh we will play shows locally and up and down the eastern seaboard kind of thing um we'll play festivals if they'll have us where it's like we go and fly out for the weekend play the show have a good time with our friends come home to our families right so uh, you know, uh, um, so I think it was more of like to fill Chris's need to tour was like, he went out and did that stuff. Right. Whereas like me and Joe and Scott, we were just kind of like, oh, no, we're cool. Like playing, you know, the random festival here and there or or playing down in New York or traveling, you know, traveling up to Maine and playing in Portland and generally staying around home doing what we used to refer to as like weekend warrior tours. We'd like go yep. out, you know, like yeah, we used yeah. to do the weekend warrior tours. We did a bunch of we did a couple of them with Elder back when they were like not even old enough to drink and nobody knew who they were and now like everybody <laughs> loves I mean they're a phenomenal band Nick is an amazing guitarist uh, good Absolutely. friends of ours good friends of ours love those guys uh, I mean I remember sneaking those guys shots at the bar you know <laughs> like because they were like 19 years old I mean I think Nick was like 19 years old and I'd be like yeah two shots of whiskey here you go Nick you know like slide him one across the bar <laughs> you sure this is okay to do come on man just do it you know but I was always in awe of that kid and his his ability to play uh, the whole band Jack the bass player phenomenal Matt who's not playing in the band anymore but uh, also a great dude um, but yeah so I mean that you know we 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 were kind of used to it so we we were never looking to like fill every weekend or every every night with shows or go on month month two month three month long tours or anything like that we would have loved to we had a couple opportunities to like go over to europe for a couple of weeks they just never fully panned out because of where different members were in their lives you know uh, you know you got and uh yeah so we were just kind of happy with where summoner was and we just like being in the studio and making music mainly which is great it's great yeah. and that, that comes with the maturity too uh, having a band at this time point of your life or we're the same age so so knowing what you want from your band and every bandmate being on board for that is crucial yeah. right yeah and that and that's what it was and i think you know chris chris wanted to make a run of it more than any of us but he scratched that itch by making a run of it with other bands and good for him good on him and he's done a great job um uh and and that's great and that and that kind of held the balance for a long time but now it's like now he's really hot and heavy in deaf heaven and deaf heaven is their globally touring act that's out on the road constantly i mean it's it's pro pro stuff there you know he's he's going out flying out for rehearsals and going on tours and and we're like cool well, we'll do exciting. some other stuff. <laughs> you, you'll wait for him, though. Yeah, 
yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. You know, I mean, hey, who knows? He's probably gonna be gone most of this year. But, uh, you know, you know we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, we're not, we're not, yeah, we're not making any any commitments to anything. But, but in the meantime, me, me and Joe are are trying to you know write some other stuff. To it's nice to get outside the box of writing some of our songs. That we're is writing, true. you know, we're writing. Uh, we're, it's enabled us. Well, the first thing both me and Joe did was we took our guitars out that aren't tuned to C-sharp standard. Yeah. And we were like, oh, my God, we get to play an E again. <laughs> yes. Because, I mean, you know, yeah, we're both a, like... A quicker tempo, too. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, quicker tempo. We're, but we're more, you know, both of us are very into, like, classic tones. We're very into guitar tones and stuff. And you can get great tones when you're tuned down. You know, like my Flying V right there, that's my summoner guitar. That's set up in C-sharp, right? But I've got other guitars that are in E and E-flat and whatever. Uh, you just can't get that, like, classic 70s cranked Marshall sound in C-sharp. It's just too low. The amps bass out, things like that. You have to have extreme overdrive and noise gates and all of this stuff, and that's where things come out sounding really tight. To get that, like, jangly 70s fun, you know, controlling everything with the volume knob kind of tone... You really have to be in E or E flat, right? So the first thing me and Joe did, hey, tune up to E. Let's go. We're going to write some songs <laughs> in E and E flat. That's the lowest we're going. So <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah. If you could make another beer for yourself, what ah. would you call it and what style of beer would it be? Oh, wow. Hmm. Well, I mean, lately I've been getting, I, I, I've been drinking sours, believe it or not, like, I mean, I think they're kind of a new thing that microbrews are doing, you know. Uh, it depends uh, on what doing, style of doing sour. More, yeah, I'm not, I think there's two different kinds, right? There's like, there's like the wild uh, blended where they barrel age them and then they blend those barrels. And then there's the more like uh, Berliner Weiss or kettle sours that they're dropping fruit in. Uh, yes, I, I think it was the f the first one you said is the one that I tend to. The, the, Complex, closer to a wine. That's it. Yeah, yeah, maybe that might be the one. But yeah, I, I, I'd say maybe maybe I do sour like that, or or, or I, I do also like very like heavy rich beer stouts things like that. So you know those are really nice in the winter time. You know the dead of winter in New England. You know having a nice thick like double chocolate stout or something is is just nice it's like drinking a chocolate cake and you know and uh, what's better than eating a chocolate cake drinking a chocolate cake and it gets you drunk too so yeah yeah and they're like 10, 8 percent, 9% alcohol so exactly. those are great yeah i also like like red ales so maybe a red ale might be good interesting know. interesting what would you call it oh jesus Griff can cool. was perfect that was that was a good beer name, I think. That's it was perfect. Yeah, um, you know, I think I I think I'd maybe maybe call it what 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 the band Riff Cannon was almost called. And that's Thrust Musket. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a nice a nice chocolate stout called Thrust Musket. <laughs> AJ, one last question. Classic Vox and Hops wrap-up question. Uh, it probably doesn't happen to you very often because you have young children. You're busy working. You're in the studio. You're writing for a mystery 90s vocalist. Uh, but every once in a while, it happens to everyone. What is your hangover cure? My hangover cure? Oh, boy. Uh, well, I do still get hungover, even though I do have small children, unfortunately for me. I just can't control myself sometimes. Uh, my hangover cure um, is... Uh, you know, obviously, when I know it's going to be a rough one, 
Uh, I do the, uh, obviously, the ibuprofen before I go to bed and drink a shitload of water. And then when I wake up in the morning feeling horrible, uh, obviously that, that, that first couple shots of espresso is always good, getting those mm-hmm. down you, uh, liven things up a bit, maybe a little bit of the hair of the dog, you know, little little hair of the dog. Uh, if I can hold it down, depends on how hungover I am. Um, uh, and then just kind of right now throwing on the TV so the kids are occupied and laying on the couch. You know, that, that's one of those times I don't feel too guilty about stuffing my kids in front of the television. Here's Sesame Street. All right, leave Daddy alone. Uh, there we go. You know? I so. did it, yeah. <laughs> I fed them. Yeah. <laughs> they're alive. Yeah. They're, they're still alive. They're going to be fine. Don't worry. Yeah. AJ, thank you so, so much for taking the time, having a chat yeah. with me, no talking problem. about your life, Anytime. music, yeah. and craft beer. It was a true, true pleasure. I'm very happy that Widowmaker brought you on to Brutal North America so that we could become acquaintances and that now you are a Vox and Hops alumni. It makes me very, very happy, and I'm looking forward to hanging out with you again real soon. Definitely. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm, uh, thanks for having me, and I'm honored to be an alumni. Cheers. Cheers, good sir. Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. Man, did I ever have a blast connecting with AJ. Man, am I ever happy that the wonderful dudes at Widowmaker introduced me to AJ. I feel that we connected really deeply. This was a great conversation, and I know that when we hang out, we're going to have a very good time. And I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Massive cheers to you, AJ, for taking the time to hang out with me and to finally be a member of the Vox and Hops alumni. Now, if you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should sign up to the Vox and Hops Middle Podcast mailing list. You can do that on my website, voxandhops.com. That's V-O-X-A-N-D-H-O-P-S.com. And when you do that, you shall receive one email a week containing all of the details of everything that has happened throughout the past week in the world of the Vox and Hops Middle Podcast, including all the details for any episodes which I've dropped throughout that past week, if I've been a guest on someone else's podcast, as well as the updated links to the Brutal Awakenings playlist which is curated by my man Jerry Monk, the metal architect himself. And you'll also get a sneak peek behind the scenes look at anything that I have in the works, any cool projects that I'm working on, but I have not announced to the public yet. So please do me a huge favor. Sign up to the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast mailing list because there's just so much going on that I would hate for you to miss a single thing. The Vox and Hops Metal Podcast is brought to you by Sound Talent Media and Evergreen Podcasts. I hope you have a glorious rest of the week. I hope that you come and hang out with us this coming Thursday for an epic Thirsty Thursday virtual hang. It starts at 8 p.m. and I'm going to be hanging out with the Vox and Hops Metal Review crew. We're going to be talking about their top 10 albums of 2021. I'm stoked for it and I would love to see you there. But until then, I hope that you remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hops heads. This is Krista Makes, guitarist and vocalist for Less Than Jake, and host of Krista Makes a Podcast, a songwriting podcast where every week I'm joined by an amazing guest to break down the writing, recording, and release of one iconic song from their career. In our giant, evergreen back catalog of episodes, we've had rock legends such as Dee Snyder and Huey Lewis, punk rock favorites like Mark Hoppus, Fat Mike, and Brett Gurowitz, and up-and-coming artists of today, such as Liz Stokes of The Beths and Genesis Owusu. We've had guests from all genres and styles of music, and I guarantee that if you peruse our back catalog, you'll see several episodes that'll make you say, man, I gotta hear that. 
Whether you're a fan of music or a creator of music yourself, you'll take away a whole new appreciation for the songs you know and love. Chris Makes a Podcast is available for free on all the places you could possibly listen to podcasts. And new episodes come out every Monday.